Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you'd like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Great Days Outdoors. Are you looking for that one-of-a-kind Christmas or birthday gift? If so, head on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com and check out the best gifts for outdoorsmen 2021. We've curated a bunch of unique ideas to help you find an awesome gift for the outdoorsmen on your list. Just head over to greatdaysoutdoors.com slash best gifts for outdoorsmen to check it out. And also brought to you by Fatanas Defense, Masters of Darkness. Fatanas Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Fatana 16 millimeter filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and their hybrid filmless 18 millimeter image intensifier tubes. These ultra light, ultra compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16 millimeter monocular, the PD Pro B 16 millimeter binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Patanus Defense, Masters of Darkness. I'm your host, Joe Baya, here with my co host, Butch Theory, again this week. Butch, this week we are going to be diving deep into deer scent. Man, I'll be honest with you, I haven't used a whole lot of scent in my strategy. And most of that is not because I don't, don't believe it would work. It's just because I don't really know what that strategy would be. I've always been one of those guys that when I'm deer hunting, I'm kind of like a, I want to sit back and let them do what they want to do. And hopefully I put myself in the right spot. I'm not one to get in there with them. Like I do with turkeys. You know I mean? I love that aspect of turkey hunting. I just don't really deer hunt that way, but I, I'd like to start, especially around the rut and around some of those pre-rut times when you know bucks are on their feet, but I just don't really know what to look for, when to use what. I'm looking forward to today's show and diving deep into that. You ever had any success with, uh, with using deer scent, you know, even if it's cover scent or, or any kind of scent attractants? Man, I have not. Um, I have not had much experience with it either. I've really just never used it. Like you say, I'm scared if I put out this scent, is it going to scare everything away from a half a mile? Like, is it the right scent? Is it right. going to disrupt their natural, you know, their right. natural. Maybe I was going to kill him anyway. And now I came in there and. And then he ran up. off because he smelled the stupid scent you put out. Right. It wasn't the right, it wasn't the right species <laughs> yeah. or something like you that. You got to be I mean, confident in your, in your setup, you know? Yeah. I, I try to be as scent conscious as I possibly can whenever I'm in the woods, you know, I use the spray, spray down your boots, spray down your, your stank, spray down your pits and your hot spots. Um, other than that, nope. I have very, very little experience with scents all around really. Yeah. I'm excited about today because we're going to talk about the pre-rut, the rut, you know, post rut, what you're trying to accomplish, kind of like we did with the duck decoy show. What's that picture you're trying to paint for the deer? What's, what's happening? What do you want them to think is happening based on the smells that they're smelling? And then also cover sense too. That's another thing that I haven't really played too much with. Like you said, I'm always paying close attention to making sure my scent is going in the right direction that I think. But as we know in the South, man, deer can come from anywhere. So I'd like to get a better understanding of cover sense, how to use them, what to use. Today, we're doing that with Matt Wade. He's a product manager over at Code Blue Sense and Moultrie Attractants. Let's get into it. Matt, welcome to Huntland, man. Before we jump into using deer sense and all the different types of scents there are out there, tell us a little bit about what you do at Code Blue. 
Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. I'm Matt Wade. I work for Pradco Outdoor Brands. Uh, specifically, I'm a product manager for Code Blue Scents and for Moultrie Attractants. You know, I cover uh, basically all things we produce attracting deer and our scent elimination line to uh, eliminate human odors. So that's what my world revolves around. Awesome, man. Well, beginning of the show, Butch and I were talking a little bit about the different types of scents that we've got experience with. And, you know, our experience is very little. We've said in the beginning is we try to kind of stay back and, and let things happen. And, and hopefully nobody knows we're there. But I'd like to change that. I'd like to get more involved. That's what makes turkey hunting so much fun for me is being interactive with the animal and uh, I want to do it more with deer. And so that's why we want to bring you on today and talk about how to use these different types of scent attractants. But before we get to, you know, using scent attractants, let's talk about cover scents a little bit. What are you trying to accomplish with a cover scent? I mean, can, do you really feel like you can quote unquote cover, totally cover your scent up? Yeah. If you've uh, done much hunting, you know that you're not going to be able to totally outsmart a deer's nose. Uh, so with a cover scent, you're really just trying to give yourself the best shot, especially when you have a wind that's not ideal or a stand location that you're trying to hunt where you know the bucks are coming through and you just know that that's where they're going to be and you don't have that ideal wind. So I like to use products that are, I guess, light products, I guess you would say. So a doe urine that's not threatening, it's not going to send the wrong message really any time of the season, especially in bow season. I really like to use a doe scent or, you know, a bedding area scent. One of ours that I really like to use is a, it's a stick form of a bedding area scent we call calming zone. You know, it just, it puts out a message. It says it's a safe area and it's non-threatening. It's not going to send a message. It's going to spook a buck or even a doe. Uh, so, you know, early season, especially when I'm hunting in close quarters, a cover scent is important along with scent elimination and playing the wind. That is interesting right there, Matt. Whenever you're talking about applying a stick that's, you know, kind of a calming zone, where are you putting this? You putting it on your boots? You putting it on the bottom of your stand? Yeah. So luckily with that scent, it's not very strong. So yes, I'll apply some to the bottom and the side of my boot as I'm walking in and then I'll hit a few trees uh, close to my stand. I like to climb the majority of the time that I hunt in timber. Uh, so I won't hit my stand necessarily, but if I was hunting a ladder stand, yeah, that would be something that I would just hit the base of my stand with. The consistency is like a deodorant and it's a no mess application. So for, uh, if you've ever spilled a, a bottle of dopey, you know, on your hand or anything, you know, that's not a pleasant experience. So this is a no mess application. So I keep it in my bag year round and, you know, one stick will last a whole season or two even, but yeah, so you just want to kind of plant that smell anywhere that you're going to walk through, especially right near your stand. I like the idea too, like you said, it's not about really covering your scent in the sense that they're not going to be able to smell you. You're still playing the wind. You're still trying to put yourself in a position where that deer never even has the opportunity to smell you. But like you said, quite often, and I've noticed this on the mature deer that I've been able to get close to with a bow, there's the reason they've gotten mature is because they've learned how to play the wind correctly when they go to a food source, for example, and like a mature deer, he's not going to go to a food source that he doesn't have a wind he's comfortable with approaching that food source. And so a lot of times in my experience, it's like you're trying to get on an edge, you know, if that deer is bedded to the, to the east, 
of that food source, you're looking for that northeast wind and trying to kind of get get south of him, you know. So he still thinks he's got a good wind, but he could maybe get your wind, but you're kind of getting it right there on an edge. And it's almost like sometimes that deer gets a whiff of something, but it's fleeting and it might be just enough for you to get go ahead and have him step out in daylight and get a shot. Yeah, especially scouting is a huge part of deer hunting as as you know and you know we think we do a lot to scout the areas and you know really see where we're going to hunt those deer that's their home i mean they're you're not going to be able to fool them anything that's foreign that comes in there if there's a hint of it they're going to know something's up so i like to have a good insurance policy nowadays when you've got a really good wind or you're just you just have a really good setup you know I feel a little bit more confident using or going without scent, but you know, it's just a good insurance policy for a cover scent on the cover scent side, a little different story when we move into the attracting type scents. Yeah. They know every inch of ground. It's funny. It's almost like if you hunt an area and you shoot a deer, a lot of times when you're tracking that deer, you're, you're walking through the woods going, Oh dang, I never knew this was quite like this. You know, <laughs> you, you thought you scouted it, but when you're scouting, you're really kind of trying to stay on the periphery. You didn't want to get right down in there with them. But like you said, it maybe can just give you the edge over them. And, and I'm glad you mentioned those scent attractants because I think that's pretty simple to understand cover sense, but scent attractants where I really lose confidence, not confidence that they work, but confidence that I know what in the heck I'm doing the right application at the right time man you know that was the light bulb that went off for me with turkey hunting after years of limited success with those sorry sorry filthy birds uh (laughs) is that you know the thing was is that i didn't know what the picture was that i was trying to paint for that turkey because i didn't understand what turkeys wanted to do in the first place and once i started to really understand the biology of the turkey and what they're trying to do at different points in the season and how they're grouping together at different points of the season. It really made me understand what calls I needed to make or didn't need to make and when I needed to do those things. And, and I got confident and started killing a lot of turkeys. So with deer, that's where I want to get is being able to step out in a pre-rut situation or a rut situation or post-rut situation and know, here's the picture I'm trying to paint. I've got all these indicators that say this would be a good picture to paint today. Let's go for it. So let's start with the pre-rut. Yeah, and be confident about what you're putting out that's going to be a quiver and not a or an arrow in your quiver and not a thorn in your side, you know. Absolutely. Well, and if you're going to step out there in 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 amongst them that you know you're doing the right thing. So yep. for the purposes of today, we're going to use we're going to when we say pre-rut, we're going to talk about that as the period of time when bucks are on their feet more than they have been in the season so far, and they're actively seeking estrus does. And maybe that's not the scientific definition, but that's what we're going to use today for the pre-rut. So when bucks are actively seeking does, what do you feel like is is the best deer scent attractant? Like what's the, the thing you're reaching for or the things that you're reaching for? Yes, it's a great time to be out in the woods. If you can get out there during the pre-rut, it's starting up here in Alabama, at least in my area, usually from about the second week of December until right after the first of the year, it's the best time to hunt. And then it just seems like those bucks get locked down. So I really like this time of year. Basically, the the most popular scent to use during the pre-rut and during the rut is going to be a doe estrus scent. 
you know, you're not going to go wrong in that mid to late season with an estrus scent. If you know you're hunting a mature buck that's not just kind of iffy and that, you know, is established and dominant in the area, I like to mix in a buck urine or tarsal gland scent as well. Uh, that's something that, like you said, you want to be confident in what you're doing. If you're just going out there, especially if you're just a public land hunting and you're just not sure what's in the area, you know, there's some sign, but you haven't put eyes on, you know, a big dominant buck in the area. Might want to shy away from the buck urine because the last thing you want to do is spook off a, a mid-age buck if you're, if that's what you're looking for. And so a doe ester scent is going to be what you're looking to use. That's going to attract, you know, young bucks and mature bucks alike. So uh, that's your safest bet. If you know you've got a mature buck, like I said, uh, an infringement, another buck in the area could mixed in with that estrus could also uh, be a winner too. So as far as application, if you're hunting, you know, I like to hunt transition areas. I like to hunt in deep bottoms. So in that case, I'm scouting a little bit ahead of time. I'm looking for scrapes and rubs and well-worn trails. Hunting private land, you know, you know your area, you know that you're going to be out there alone and you have a pretty good idea of where you want to set up. So I just look for my best setups and usually I'm set, I'm running cameras year round and kind of have an idea of what I'm going into. But if you don't have anything on camera, you're, you know, hunting public land. I'm just looking for scrapes, rubs, heavily traveled areas, and then looking for a good setup, especially if I'm climbing, I'm looking for somewhere I've got a shooting lane that's near uh, scrapes and rubs. And I'm looking for a spot to put doe urine or excuse me doe estrus on the either on the ground if i have wicks or drag those are ideal for that situation you found your spot you know where you're going to climb put your doe estrus on a drag and bring it into your stand from about 50 yards out that's a good strategy or literally putting it on a wick or on the ground in an area where you've got a shooting lane uh, what you're wanting to do is you know he's going to catch that in the wind and he's going to come to that general area, you want him to find that concentrated smell where you can get a shot. So that's what you're looking to do. You mentioned the signs to look for. You're looking for, you know, those scrapes and rubs that, that tell you there's a buck in the area. Now here's where I start to lose confidence. So I'm going to, let's paint a realistic picture of what some other hunters may be experiencing. They've got an area where they've identified there's deer activity that could be a food plot. It could be some thin pines on a, in a transition area like you're talking about. It could be a number of different things, but they're pretty confident deer are moving through that area. The way I like to hunt is I like to set up on the edge of that area, slip in, get high where I can see. I don't want to get out in there where the deer are. I, you know, I yeah. kind of want to stay back off of it. And, and just slip in there, be quiet and, and see what's happening. So with scent, you know, I realized, all right, I want to get that scent out in there where I can start to let it kind of permeate the area and, and hopefully bring a, bring a deer out of his bedding or bring a deer that's cruising, you know, have him cruise through, through the draw I'm in. So if that's the case, number one, I'm trying to hunt, you know, with the wind in my favor. So I'm, if I've got that, that, scent you know say at the base of my tree mm -hmm. i'm also blowing my own scent through there so what do you look for in terms of me a wind to help you with that scent and then how do you feel about just walking out in there i mean you mentioned using the wicks and the drags do you just kind of walk out into those areas prior to your hunt put your scent out and then go back to your stand and and set up and you feel feel confident in that 
yeah, if you know the area, you definitely want to limit your interaction with where you're going to be trying to hunt. I'm a big advocate in using scent elimination whenever possible. You know, if I'm not using a cover scent, I'm definitely spraying my boots. All my clothes are going to be washed in an unscented detergent. You know, I'm going to take those extra steps to make sure that if I know where that scrape is, or where those rubs are, and I know I've got to go through there or my wind's going to be going through there. You got to take extra steps to make sure that, you know, you're not going to win- get winded uh, before the hunt even starts. But if you're going to use scent, like if I knew there was a line of, you know, active scrapes, I'm going to go in with, you know, an infringement scent. I'm going to go in with a, a buck urine and I'm going to put it directly into the scrape or I'm going to use basically a scrape type product that's going to put the scent of another deer there. I'm As long as I feel like I've done my job to make myself as scent free as I can, I like to, you know, put that buck urine in that scrape to bring him to that. Or, you know, if I'm in an area that I'm, I don't have a scrape, but I, I know there's activity, I'm not going to lose confidence to walk out in that area. I'm going to do as little as possible, but it's not, you know, a game breaker. I'm not throwing a Hail Mary with a bottle of buck urine across the field because I don't want to go over there. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> Buck bomb. Right. Hey, I'm not going to say that uh, it hadn't happened before, but uh, <laughs> I believe that. There's you probably get a, you been get some a, things in the in the Moultrie lab that never made it out, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Paintball guns a, full of deer urine. I'm yeah, sure. You, d- you drop a bottle in the warehouse, people are not happy you're there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm picturing, you know, we're pre-rut. I know there's a dominant buck in the area. I got a good spot, like Joe was saying, on an edge. I know where some scrapes are. So I walk in and I put a drip, a buck urine on this scrape. That's what you're saying is going to be beneficial? Yeah, yeah. If I, if I know there's a dominant buck in the area, I'm more worried about my scent than anything else that I put out. So, sure. you know, a, but if you've got a dominant buck in the area, doe urine, obviously not threatening. Doe estrus urine, that's a jackpot if he's cruising. If uh, using buck urine, you know, he's not going to look at, you know, smell that buck urine and say, hey, I got to get out of here because right. he's the dominant buck. Buck urine is tricky because, if you, like I said, if you don't know the buck that's out there, you know, you don't want to spook off a, a younger buck. that might be a nice buck that, you know, you would take. But, but yeah, I'm more worried about my own scent messing up my hunt than adding a pure doe estrus or buck urine. That makes sense. So back to Joe's analogy of, you know, painting a picture. I kind of picture like a scrape is kind of like the acorn hotline. You know, that's where he goes to get like his messages. I mean, it's that the district you hear about, you know, that's where everybody's going for uh, that action. So, you know, I like to, to say, you know, I only get a few days to hunt in that time of year. I'm going all out. I'm bringing that extra scent. You know, I'm, I'm going to be in the area heavily putting it out there. Uh, and the buck urine right in the scrape. Yeah. If I know I've got a mature buck, I'm going all in. So you're not scared to stack those scents? No. I mean, I'm not going to go out there and pour 10 bottles of it. But, uh, <laughs> right, you know, right, right. I just mean mixing those two. That's interesting. Well, yeah. With code, So with Code Blue specifically, this is not something that you're going to get with most of our competitors. If you buy Code Blue line of urines, you're going to get one buck and or one doe in that bottle. So you know, whereas a, a blended urine, you're going to send the signal of, you know, there's t- say 10 bucks in the area. You know, that's not a, that's not a sign that's going to necessarily spook him off. But if you've got a very specific one buck or one doe in the area, especially a doe estrus type scent, 
you know, each one of the bottles is going to be from a different dough. So you're going to send the message of one specific dough and not just a, a barrage of, you know, action in there. So, so I like to use the, uh, the one deer, one bottle uh, line for sure. All right, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. First South Farm Credit. First South can help you finance or refinance that perfect piece of land. To find out how First South can help you, visit their website at firstsouthland.com or call them at 800-955-1722. They are an equal housing lender. And also brought to you by Boaters List. Boaters List is your new, reliable, and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. If you run a boat, you know how difficult it can be to find the right company for the task at hand. Boaters List makes this easy and easy to find the service you are looking for. Locate anything from fuel docks to service repairs or rentals of large yachts all the way down to paddle boards and all things in between. BoatersList.com will always strive to make it better on the water. Matt, you mentioned looking for scrapes and great. You know, if you've got an area that you found scrapes and this, then hunt them. But what about making a mock scrape? Does your thought process change in making a mock scrape? And just kind of take me through what you've done with success there. I mean, is that something that you've got to set up days in advance or could you have immediate success? What, what are you trying to accomplish with those? Yeah, with a mock scrape, you know, you're looking for an area that's heavily traveled, you know, there, there are times when it's, it's not going to work, but more times than not, if you know that there are deer in the area and you find a good area where, you know, you've got the things you need, you've got low lying licking branches, you've got traffic in the area. I'm going to put it as far as ahead of time as I can. I want to establish that scrape in that early season in the, you know, November, bow season when bucks are just breaking off and they're starting to jockey for territory. You know, I want to use, uh, basically I want to go in there scent free as I can create the scrape in an area where I can access it and deer passing through. I know that sounds like a dream, uh, <laughs> a dream, <laughs> a dream area, but I mean, if you do enough scouting, you're going to find an area that's good enough that you can satisfy both natural traffic coming through there and, where you can get a shot off and I'm going to use, you know, I'm going to do it as early as possible and not to tout one of our products too much, but our grave digger scrape mate product is excellent for this. It's a, it's got a time release scent of our scrape mate uh, formula. And basically you're going to make your mock scrape. You're going to dig a little hole with your heel, put about half of this bottle of uh, scrape mate in the hole, pack it down with your heel and pour the rest of it on top, and it's guaranteed to put out scent and release scent for 30 days. Wow. I've had mock scrapes that have been set up that in my earlier days that I didn't get much action on, uh, but if you if you place it in a good area and you use a long-lasting scent like a grave digger, you're going to have good results from it, and you know, like you said, you don't want to be in there all the time refreshing it. And you pour a whole bottle of buck urine in there. Yeah, you're going to get some traffic. But a week later when you're going to hunt, is he going to be back that day? Do you want to be in there that morning? If you can stay out of there, great. If, you know, but I'm going to use a product that's going to be lasting a little bit longer if I can. And you know, especially for mock scrapes, because, you know, I want to see what's going on there as a, as a, somebody who, as a younger hunter, at least in, in years, I, 
I'm going to set up a camera over a mock scrape. I'm really going to want to see the action, see if, you know, my, the fruits of my labor are going to produce anything. And there's nothing like spending a bunch of time putting a stand up in an area or, you know, creating a mock scrape, putting out cameras and then seeing nothing. But I feel pretty confident in, especially if I can get it out early. It's a great idea to put a camera on a mock scrape. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I like to feel like I've helped my situation. <laughs> Maybe that's just uh, my selfish nature, but you spend a lot of time out in the woods. You know, you anybody can go put up a feeder and hunt a green field. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'd do it uh, with the best of them. But, you know, if you can create an environment that's going to bring bucks in, there's something to be said for that. Yeah. And it's very rewarding in a different kind of way when you have success that you wouldn't have had had you not gotten in there and manipulated that environment. You know, it's just almost similar to like planting a food plot and then hard yeah. you know, killing a deer on it where you were the one that put the seed in the ground and you were the one that fertilized it and you were the one that sweated out there in August and September. And <laughs> Yeah, not as know, much sweat involved with your mock scrape. But, right, uh, yeah, yeah, but it's still, it's still the same kind. It's just like calling in a turkey. I mean, well, man, you're full. Just, you're full. What you're doing is full in the, you're you full fool, in the critter yeah. that you're going after. And that's yeah. what it's all about. That's hey, why that's, throwing artificials is so much fun. You know, not all of us can walk out there like the hunting public and, you know, shoot one from 15 yards walking down the road. <laughs> right. You don't yeah. see, you're not, you're not going to do that in Alabama. Not often, at least if you are, you know, more credit to you, but I've got to, I've got to gain an edge. There's something about me just doesn't uh, walk up on uh, mature eight, 10 point bucks <laughs> in bow range yeah. with your know, first time hunting in an area. So yeah, same here. Well, how does, <laughs> how does strategies change as we move into the rut? And again, this period is the period of time when bucks are really tending an estrus doe. You know, he's he's on her. He's just waiting for the right moment. They're not so moving very they, much. They got her locked down. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's a harder time of year of year to hunt. And depending on where he's tending those does, or if it's just a one doe, you can. You know, the best you can do is get close. You're much like um, a turkey that's hinned up. You're not going to pull him off easily uh, to just go to a smell when he's got the real thing right there. So it's tough, but what I'm trying to do that time of year is hunt as close as I can to him being like, I'll go back to it. Being scent free is important. And, you know, knowing your hunting ground, knowing your ways in and out, you know, as far as scent goes, if you catch him leaving a doe until the rut's over, he's not going to hang it up just because the doe that he's bred is, is she's done. He's, if he if you can catch him with an estrus scent or a combination of an infringement scent like a tarsal gland or a buck urine, that could pull him off to protect his territory. Or like I said, if he's done breeding the doe that he's with, a new one in the area would never hurt. But you know, it's a it's a harder time of year, so, and especially as the season goes on, and you've put in those hours, it gets it gets tough those last few days of the season to especially when they're locked down. So tough time, got to do what you can to get close, you know, just make sure you're not ruining the area. So you if really I'm understanding want... you, I mean, it's really not realistic to think you can pull a buck off of a hot doe, but at some point he's going to breed her. And once he's done, you could be the next hot doe, uh, or you could be that buck trying to move in on those other does he hasn't, hadn't gotten to yet. Yeah, not to say that it's not going to happen, but if he's actively locked down with a doe, you can't. Don't leave fish. You can't. Fish. Yeah, you can't. Hey, we've you can't all been there. 
<laughs> we'll go back to turkey hunting. I mean, you're just not, if you've got a hen clucking behind you when you're sitting, sitting up against a tree, you can do all you want. You can be a master caller, but there's nothing better than having the real thing doing the work for you. So, you know, really just try to get in that area. I'm not afraid to use a doe estrus or a buck urine type scent in that stage of the rut, but I'm not sitting there thinking he's about to come off that and see what's going on with the smell over here. I mean, it happens, but like I said, you, you can't beat the real thing sometimes. Hard, hard to compete with that. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. more focused. Well, I mean, the beauty of deer hunting versus turkey hunting is that you you could carry a rifle in most states. And, yeah, you yeah. know, with turkeys, yeah, you could hunt the hens and try to get close to the hens, but you got to get pretty close. Whereas with, with deer, during that period, it's probably going to benefit you to hunt the does, try to get to where you can see those does, and there's going to be a buck in tow, most likely. The other thing is, you know, kind of going back to turkeys is, when those turkeys are, are henned up, well, they're breeding those hens every single day. And so a lot of times he may spend the majority of the day breeding those hens, but at some point during that day, he's going to get them all bred and he's a little bit susceptible. It's a lot of times why you find those, those afternoon turkeys can be the ones that are the easiest and quickest to kill is because they've done their thing and they're still ready to go again. So I see what you're saying there. You know, you got to kind of be right place, right time, but Scent could certainly help you to paint that picture of, uh, hey, there's there's other deer here, and and maybe pull him your way once once he breaks off of that doe. What about post rut? You know, I mean, post rut. Now, in a lot of Alabama, where we all hunt, there's not a really a post rut period during hunting season for a lot of folks. You know, <laughs> right. um, post rut is when you're putting your clothes away. But I say post rut's yeah. turkey season. Well, yeah. so it's better than what it was. I mean, now it's open, what, two or three weeks longer than it used to be. Well, yeah. it's, and it's different the whole state. I mean, there's six different distinct ruts in the state yeah. of Alabama, all the way from November beyond. So, so it's not fair to say there is no post-rut. When we talk about post-rut today, I want to be saying this is when peak breeding is pretty much over with. There's still going to be uh, those that are cycling through and yeah. You're going to have your stragglers, but the, the heart of it's done. Yeah. So what are you, what picture are you painting during this time of the season? I mean, I'm still going all in at the end of the season. That's for me, unfortunately, this is when I usually have the most time to hunt. Uh, so, so I'm getting yeah. after it still, I'm hunting food plots. I'm hunting near bedding areas and, you know, I'm still using a doe estrus because that's to me, that's the only thing that's going to attract him besides a food source at this point of the season, you know, if the, you know, he's pretty much spent, he's going to need that nourishment. He's going to be near those food sources. And so that's where I'm trying to hunt. And, you know, like I said, I'm still using an extra scent this late in the season because what else are you going to use to attract him out there besides food? It's either food, sleep, or, uh, you can say, well, the good, the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Food, sleep, or love. How about that? Right, there you that's go. right. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, buck urine probably wouldn't work because he's either had his butt kicked or he's been <laughs> yeah. kicking butts for enough. He's probably like, I'm over with that. I'm right. How can I have all that? But what I heard you say, Matt, is like, okay, pre-rut, you're focusing on cheese transition areas. You're using estrus sense. Post-rut, you're focusing on food sources and using the estrus sense because that buck's going to be looking to replenish his reserves that he's lost during the peak rut. Yeah, especially those dominant bucks. You see pictures of bucks at the beginning of the season, and they're looking like a picture. And then you see them at the end of the season, and they look like they just got out of jail. 
And it's just, you know, it's a rough season on them. And they're going to be in those areas where they can get the most nourishment without uh, putting as a lot of energy in. So I'm hunting those field edges and, you know, any kind of food source that I've got, or if I've got an established mineral site, even uh, that's a good place to go as well. But, you know, at our place, especially in kind of central South Alabama, you know, come the beginning of January, it's tough sledding. We have a lot of bucks that are, they're just gone after the breeding season. So if you don't catch them right when they're coming off and that post rut, like you said, we don't, it doesn't seem like we have a post rut at my place specifically, you know, if you're not in there, you know, a couple weeks after the rut has ended, you may not see a buck on camera for, you know, weeks because they're just, they're just spent their movement. They're transitioning out of those breeding areas and looking for food. And so that's where I spend my time and cross my fingers and, you know, hope, I hope my site is, uh, my sites are good. So that's right. Yeah. <laughs> shot my gun last weekend. Yeah. Cause I wasn't sure. How many times has this scope banged on a tree in the last two weeks? I'm thinking, please God, don't be out more than a hundred yards. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So if I heard you right, uh, we're talking about this period of post rut kind of after the main lockdown and we're, you know, we got some stragglers, but did you say you would put doe estrus like in a salt lick or a mineral, you know, a little mineral thing? Yeah. Not in it. If I have an established mineral lick, that's just another area that he could hit for replenishment. Gotcha. Uh, definitely wouldn't put uh, any kind of urine in a mineral lick. Uh, you're going to, you're going to ruin, you're going to ruin yourself there. But, you know, I'm looking for that natural replenishment and the doe estrus is just, just kind of a, an extra additive there to say, Hey, there's still one more lady out here that, you know, is looking for, looking for love. If he's, if you can get him with that, you're good. If not, you know, that food source is where he's going to be. Don't, pour doe estrus in your mineral lick <laughs> don't pour it on yourself there's two rules all right yeah well hey i, like I mean i've i can't tell you how many bucks i've seen chasing does during turkey season so it's not lucky, lucky by you. any means <laughs> not by right. any means uh to think that it's completely over by the end of the season so yeah let's let's talk a little bit about dispensing this scent you know we we mentioned pouring it on the ground we mentioned drippers or drag rags, all those, all these lots of different ways you could go pour it on your tree, put it on your tree stand. Is there a best method or is it just different tools in the tool belt? Well, I mean, as the years go on, you'll see each year there's a new method to dispense scent and do they work? Yes. But in my opinion, at least with when I hunt, I don't want to overdo it. I don't want it smelling for hours. Like there's it's raining buck urine or it's raining doe estrus urine because that's just, that's not naturally what's happening out there. There's not a, it doesn't smell like, you know, you're in a porta potty. You want a little bit of sit and that's plenty. You know, I try not to pour it on the ground unless it's in a spot where I'm going to actively want him to walk straight to, but yeah, like a drag, I'm pouring a little bit on a drag. That's a tried and true method because that's naturally what's happening out in the wild and I'm hanging a wick from a tree and that's going to, you know, get me some wind dispersal. I don't want it to be too strong. I don't want it to be constantly, especially if you got a strong wind, I don't want it to be just a bombardment of scent because that's just not naturally what you're going to see out there. Do other methods work? Yes. Uh, you know, a dripper over a scrape could be great. Like you said, like we were talking about earlier to prolong the, the ripeness of that scent and keep you from getting in that area if you're going to be there for a couple of days. But you don't have to go overboard with it. Just getting 
a little bit of dispersal is is usually plenty. Their noses are have so many more receptors than even a a tracking dog. So you know, there if it's there and they're in the area and it's there's the slightest bit downwind, they're going to catch that scent, and that's all you need usually. I think I have an idea, Joe. I have a perfect, perfect oh, educational experiment Matt, for you. Matt, Matt, be quiet. I can't wait for this. This is going to be good. I think a good idea for this would be, you know, our probably early bow season where it's a little warm here in Alabama. I think you should drink a whole bottle of dough estrus <laughs> right? and get really, really, like get a good sweat going. Yeah. Just go roll around in the greenfield and then go yeah. up there and hunt. Hey. How can that go wrong? Let it start to really – well, that's like that slow, that's a slow release. Of exactly. The pour method is what they call that. You know – you don't put buck urine on when you're at the house, especially before the hunt, because you don't want your wife getting out of bed. There's one or two reasons she's going to get out of bed, and you don't want either of those when you're going to hunt. So, right. yeah, you don't want to shy away from that, I think, Joe. But All right. That's funny. I was not there to witness it, but there used to be a sales guy here at Pradco. I'm not sure that how many years ago this was, but, you know, we've got the hunting shows every year. I think it was at either the ATA show or the shot show every year. There used to be a salesman that would like make an announcement that he was going to drink a bottle of code blue every oh, year. God. And like people would gather around and he would no joke, open a brand new bottle and drink it down. And it was just like, I'm oh. not sure if this is good marketing, but <laughs> there's a lot of people standing here. What can we get out of this? But yeah. Well, Oh man. At the ATA show in a couple of weeks, uh, you won't catch me doing that. But I'll be doing whatever I can to help Code Blue, but I'm not. I don't think I'm going to go that far. Not this year. Man, that's right. <laughs> the hunt, the hunt industry is doing pretty well right now. I don't think we have to go to those links. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, Matt, you know, you were talking about the uh, the scrape product that lasts for 30 days, and we've been talking about actually kind of doctoring up your spot the day you hunt. Mm-hmm. Is there any thought process to like, all right, if I go into an area and I'm trying to paint this picture of that dominant buck, or I'm trying to paint this picture of that estrus doe, that like kind of the more time you spend there, the better? Like, you know, would it be something where you could say, man, if I've, I've been putting scent in this area for two days, it, it ought to be getting better? Or does that play into it at all? I mean, if you knew you were going to hunt an area and say the wind wasn't right for you to hunt it, would you still go in that area and maybe put out some, some scent to kind of keep a deer interested and, and thinking about, man, I know I smelled a doe over there the other day. Maybe I ought to go check that again. Is there anything to that? I mean, a lot of times a dominant buck is going to have active scrapes that are, I won't say in a perfect line, but in a travel area. So there, where there's one, there's usually more. And, you know, he's going to be checking those, especially if he's, you know, patrolling does in that area, he's going to be moving and, you know, communicating with other deer that he's there. So an active communication from another buck is a good thing. And, you know, like you said, you don't want to dirty it up with your scent, but as long as you're confident that you're scent free, I'm doctoring it up when I go through there, especially if I've got cameras on it, because I want to see his reaction. I want to see what did that do when I put that scent down? Did it shy him away? Did he, did he show up the day before? And then you know, I saw him on another camera somewhere else on the property. Did he come up to it? And then I didn't see him for two days. It can tell you a lot about his behavior, especially early season. And just because, especially if you, if you did something to spook a, a younger buck, that was a nice buck, you know, it doesn't mean that he's not coming back into that area. It just means that, you know, you know, now that he's not your, your mature dominant buck, that's going to 
take up every fight that comes to his door. So I'm just not afraid to use scent, especially knowing I'm using an all natural scent because just because there's a dominant buck in the air does not mean that all the other bucks evacuate without confrontation. Right. So I'm not afraid to go in there and use it, but caveat always being scent free. Don't walk yeah. around, you know, in your, your house shoes that have, you know, smell like your dog and car exhaust and cigarettes and whatever else, every scent you walk past, you do all that work to make your clothes scent free and you stop at the gas station and pump gas in your boots. You know, you could be sending that wrong smell or sending that wrong communication. So, I mean, I take it seriously. There are times when, you know, you can't leave your boots in the truck and not wear them out of the house. But if you can really just try to limit your scent as much as you can, I can't preach that enough. Yeah, man. I mean, those deer, they get old being by, by doing the right things, you know, Yeah, and, uh, yeah. we've all seen the, the young dumb deer and, and they make you think, well, these, these things aren't that smart, but <laughs> <laughs> right. He knows you're not looking for him or he hasn't felt the pressure yet. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, but man, I really like that idea of coupling scent with a game camera strategy to really yep. learn. Cause I mean, heck, if you start to get, uh, you could start to get a pattern on how a deer may interact with scent in the daylight. And if you get that, then you do have the ability to maybe influence, influence that movement a little bit. Um, it's just one of those things you, if you know, to pay attention to it, you can start to notice a trend. I'd never even thought of using it in that way, but that really gets my wheels turning. Yeah. If I can find a natural active scrape and this is me talking, but you know, I'm working at Moultrie and work, working at a hunting company, I'm a, user of products. So, you know, whether I'm testing a camera for Moultrie or whether I'm, you know, testing a code blue product, you can't be there all day to watch, you know, what goes on at that scrape and being a younger hunter, that's how you learn. You know, you can watch as many, you know, YouTube videos if you want of guys hunting in Iowa or hunting in Kansas and see how the deer, you know, act there, but you got to know your area and, Game cameras have come so, you know, that part of game management has come so far in the past few years, especially. I mean, we've got Moultrie cameras that can, you know, send video clip, 30 second video clips to your phone immediately a minute after a buck walks through. That's just not something that your granddad can teach you or you sitting in the woods. You can't monitor your whole area with your eyes all day. At least I can't. But uh, so I'm looking for any advantage I can and attractants. And monitoring your area is, you know, that's the way to go. If you, if you can afford it or you can, you know, put in the preseason time, especially with cameras, because you can pattern deer, especially if you know the territory and you know the land you're hunting, that's a good way to gain an advantage without putting boots on the ground constantly. Well, Matt, I'm sure there is something that somebody listening is going, well, what about this? And what about this situation? And what would you do now? And I'm, we could probably talk about this at a lot more length, but I thought you did a really good job of breaking down the difference in what you're thinking about with cover sense and scent attractants, how you're using them to paint a picture in the woods, when you're wanting to use them, when you're wanting to stay away from them. But if folks do have a specific question for you guys, or they want to talk about a scenario that they're using sense, or maybe share how they've had success, what's the best way for them to get more information from you guys after the show? 
Yeah, so it, we have a lot of additional resources available on our website. That's codebluesense.com. You can also hit us up on Instagram or Facebook, via direct message, and we'll be glad to help out if you've got questions that maybe we didn't cover or you'd like, you know, just to have a conversation about it. We love uh, interacting with our customers and, you know, you'll get me directly. I may relay the message uh, through someone else if I'm off site, but uh, you'll, you'll get an answer from me directly. And my best advice is just to get out Put a lot of put a lot of steps in and put boots on the ground. Learn your area, and you know don't be afraid to you know step out and use sense and you know just just educate yourself as much as you can, and you know get after it, man. Well, Matt, thanks a lot, man. Enjoyed talking with you today, and uh, be looking forward to the next time we we want to talk sense and uh, and attractants, and we're gonna keep you in mind for that. If but I hope you have a safe rest of your hunt season and a successful one as well. Yeah, thanks you too, guys. I really appreciate your time and having me on and, you know, look forward to a good hunting season and good luck to everybody out there listening. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. Don't forget about our sponsors and make sure you support them when you're out in the marketplace. And this week's show has been brought to you by Alabama Farmers Co-op. From backyard gardening to large-scale farming and everything in between, your local co-op has what you need to be successful. Since 1936, Alabama Farmers Cooperative has provided high-quality products, and friendly service to community members and local farmers. With over 60 locations to serve you and 85 years of experience, you can count on the co-op. For more information and to find a location near you, visit www.alafarm.com. And also brought to you by Bucks Island Marine. At Bucks Island, you can check out the full list of inventory from new and used bass, pontoon, and bow rider style boats. New and used motors as well as kayaks for sale. They love trade-ins, which provides a steady stream of used boats. They can rig your boat at their 18-bay service department or ship your new motor anywhere in the United States. They provide boat service on all kinds of boats, even if they weren't purchased from Bucks. They have factory trained and certified technicians. You can visit them at 4500 Highway 77 in Southside, Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. That was a fun show, man. I really do genuinely feel more confident to go out and, and try it this year. And I don't expect that, you know, there's going to be a buck pop out from behind every tree just because I put some scent on the ground. But how cool is it going to be when you do get that first interaction, you know, where you're like, hmm, that wouldn't have happened. Well, I'm glad you said confident because I have confidence written down here with two stars. Yeah. You, this is going to be something that at least now I know what I'm doing when I can do it. What I picked up from Matt is just do it. As long as you're using natural right. products, you really can't mess it up. As long as you're still paying attention to your own scent. Sure, of course. As long as your scent strategy is not causing you to put your own scent in places it shouldn't be, what's it going to hurt? I mean, how could it hurt anything? And and eventually you're going to have success with it. And I'd yeah. say, man, it's it's addictive once you start manipulating. For sure. The situation. Yeah, yeah. It's very addicting to be able to trick something. And well, I mean, that's the whole game, right? Fishing and hunting. You're, you're yeah. tricking something. And yeah, that's what I picked up, man, was, was confidence. You're gonna have to get out there and play some different scenarios and put out some different scents and some different situations. And you're probably going to bust some up and you're probably going to have some, some good luck, but you're probably going to mess up a lot too. Yeah. You're going to have some, you're going to have some scenarios where you, you screw it up. I think the big thing is just building confidence and being able to capitalize, you know, whenever you do put things out. Yeah. And also taking somebody with you so they can be the one to go out there and pull the drag back to the stand. Right. For sure. I still think you ought to drink it. I think you ought to drink it. I think we ought to do an experiment. Okay. Well, we'll just, uh, we'll see how that goes. (laughs) 
<laughs> keep that in the back uh, of your mind. Yeah, I'll keep that. Uh, keep that in the idea hopper. Just saying, it's something that I'd be willing to film. <laughs> All right, man. Well, let's wrap it up, folks. We hope you all enjoyed this week. But, you know, if you got any questions, shoot them to us. We'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, on shows you'd like to hear us record. Uh, otherwise, appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you. To get the podcast emailed to you each week, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list and wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got a show topic that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. This week's Huntland show is brought to you by The Hunting Exchange. Buy and sell your hunting gear securely online. PayPal protected purchases, no hidden charges, listings are free. Head over to the App Store or Google Play and download The Hunting Exchange app today. And also brought to you by MB Ranch King. Save time and money when you buy MB Ranch King's maintenance-free hunting blinds. Call Kevin for info or quotes 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection. And also Brush Clearing Services. Check out their full line of property and land services at brushclearingservices.com or call them at 706-718-1690. And also by Southern Seed and Feed. Do you want to provide better nutrients for your deer? Check out Southern Buck. Your deer will love it. Visit their website at southernseedfeed.com or call 662-726-2638 to find the dealer nearest you. And also brought to you by the National Deer Association. You need to have hunting land liability insurance to protect your family's assets. Find the most comprehensive coverage available at deerassociation.com and protect yourself today.